Welcome back to another episode of Standing Room Only. I'm Jay Simmons, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Matt Winnetoy. Matt, how'd your first official week as a podcast host go? Oh, the DMs were exploding with fans. It was uh, it was awesome to see, but um, thanks to everyone who took the time to listen, and uh, we're really excited to keep this thing going. Yeah, we really appreciate all the support that we've gotten uh, from everybody, and just want to thank all the people who took the time to you know like, follow, and, and rate. Um, if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe or follow button. Um, feel free to leave us a review. We'd love to hear back from you. Uh, and go follow us on Instagram at standingroomonly underscore pod for some uh, fun giveaways there. Now, Matt, last week we didn't really get into too much of uh, who we are personally, uh, and some people complained about that. So why don't you just give a little background on who we are? Yeah, so Jay, me and you go way back. We actually played minor hockey together. We grew up in a small town called Uxbridge, Ontario. Um, played for the the minor the local minor hockey team and that's where we were kind of introduced to ourselves and I think from day one we're always big hockey fanatics we would you know we were obsessed with fantasy hockey we're obsessed with you know playing NHL watching games and um, really anything to do with hockey Um, our paths crossed at a young age but we never lost our love for hockey growing up and you know we're both in our mid-20s now and and we we decided to start this podcast more with the intent of just continuing to talk about, you know, our passion for hockey and share it with people um, other than ourselves. So anything else to add, Jay? Not really. Uh, You hit the nail on the head. Uh, One thing I can add is that we spent a lot of time carpooling together when we were young. Uh, And we really just want this podcast to be, you know, just like we're talking hockey in the backseat again. Um, But anyways, we both went away for university uh, me, I went to Guelph to study economics and finance, and you went to Queens for economics and finance as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we have interest there as well. So it, it seems like a good fit to do this podcast together. Uh, what's going on currently, Matt? Where, what are you doing for work? Give a little bit of background on um, some of the jobs you've had. Yeah, for sure. So I worked in the sports industry coming out of school. I worked for a, a sports agency. I'm working under a golf agent. That was my first job. At university, it was good. Um, I learned a lot about sponsorship and a lot about athlete marketing. So um, doing a lot of negotiations for brand deals for our PGA Tour athletes. And then most recently working at Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. That to me was like a dream role for myself, being able to go to all the Leafs and Raptors games and, and working in the partnerships division there. Unfortunately, with the pandemic, that came to an end with a lot, you know, fans not being allowed in the building for the last year or so. But that kind of gave me some spare time to, you know, continue my passion for talking about hockey and hopefully creating a career out of that. But yeah, let's hear more about your work experience, Jay. Yeah, so I uh, don't have a ton yet. I uh, just graduated not too long ago. Um, but yeah, I'm doing some sales roles right now, as well as uh, working with the local uh, junior C team, uh, kind of as an assistant GM there. So it's fun. Uh, I have a passion for hockey. I always have. I uh, really want to kind of continue that with a career. So I'm just trying to get, you know, any experience I can. So that's kind of it for us, I think. A short sum up of of who we are. Um, Let's go over some of the hot takes we did last week. Uh, We we tried to decide who would win each division and and each trophy. So let's just go through kind of where things are at, see how we did, uh, and just talk about that. So we'll start off with uh, kind of the the division that we want to focus on the most, I think, and that's the North Division. Uh, being from Canada, it's it's close to home, and it's really fun to watch this year. So, Matt, how uh, how are you finding the last week or so of the North Division matchups? 
Well, it's been a big week for for all Leafs fans, including myself out there. Beating the Canucks three straight, I think we we definitely cemented our place in the top of the standings in the North Division. But as we alluded to last week, Jay, the Montreal Canadiens are for real. I don't know what's in the water this year, but they look awesome. Um, I believe they're eight and two to start the year, and they look like they're going to be a legit threat to to win the North. What are your thoughts? It's fun having Montreal and Toronto good again. Um, you know, one of the oldest and best rivalries in all of sports, uh, and really the first time for our generation to experience it. Um, I do like the future of uh, Toronto's team a bit more than than I think the Canadians will turn out to be, but it'll be fun to see how over the next couple of years those teams unfold and. Hopefully we have uh, some really good games and, and series along the way. Uh, moving on to the East, you didn't actually give us a winner last week, so uh, we need that from you to add to the list, but give us your thoughts on the East. Well, let's just start off by saying the Pens' mess is looking real good right now. They're sitting at 5-5. Five and five. They've lost their last two, and they look to be sliding. Uh, their goaltending continues to be an issue. I hate to say it, but um, Sid and Malkin and, and Latang, you know those veterans that we all know in Pittsburgh, they look to be tailing off. They're not at their peak. It's pretty evident. But to give my my take for the, the winner of the East, I think the Bruins have to be in there at the conversation again. Pasternak's back. He looks incredible. He looks like he hasn't missed a beat from his injury. And they've really handled – I think they're on a three-game win streak right now. So I don't know who's going to beat them in the playoffs. Uh, I think they'll win the division. But it's definitely going to be a tight race for the top. Is there anyone, uh, I forget who your hot take was, Jay, but uh, any any other news to report on in the East? Yeah, well, it's interesting you talk about the Pens and how they're sliding with that core of guys. Um, they just announced, I think yesterday it was, that um, Ron Hextall is going to be the GM there, along with Brian Burke, who's going to be head of hockey operations. So, um, interesting to see Brian Burke, you know, a guy who's been on TV right now in Canada, um, finding another role in the NHL, so it'll be interesting to see how he handles it there. Uh, I chose the Flyers for that division, actually. So right now, uh, I think Bruins and Flyers are actually tied at the top of that division. So uh, not bad picks by uh, us to start. Um, heading over to the Central Division, uh, you said Tampa Bay. I said Carolina, looking like you're going to be right. Well, so far, Tampa Bay kind of running away right now, um, looking pretty lethal. Hey, I don't want to tease the rest of the episode, but we have a member of the Tampa Bay Lightning coming on later. They look incredible. They're going to be Stanley Cup favorites again, so I think we can move on from the Central. Let's move over to the West. Jay, uh, who's looking good over there? Is there any other thoughts you had other than last week? I know Vegas is looking good. Um, St. Louis as well as Colorado are, are right in the mix too. Yeah, I think those are the three teams we talked about last week, and I think they're going to be the three teams we talk about all year for that division. Um they're, they're, those three teams are all within a point as of you know yesterday, I think it was. So uh, it will be interesting to see. I think Colorado's still the strongest team there. Um, but, yeah, we'll see as the season goes on. Um, how about you? Yeah. No, I love Vegas. They were my Stanley Cup favorite – or one of my Stanley Cup finals, finalist projections with Tampa to start the year. So they look incredible right now. They're really deep, and um, both goalies look solid. So can't really argue with them coming out of the West this year. Let's move on to um, some of the award winners. So we'll just go through them quick. Um, Hart Award, you know, for MVP of the season. You said McDavid. I said Matthews. Uh, McDavid's leading the league right now with 27 points. Matthews at 15. 
Uh, is it even a, a contest right now, in your opinion, or do you still think McDavid uh, is carrying that one? Well, he, he did go pointless against the Sens, which was a bit of a bummer, but I still think it's a clear-cut uh, favorite for McDavid. I don't see how you can vouch for anyone right now. He's incredible. He's leading the league in points, and he dominates every game he plays. So what are your thoughts? Do you think Matthews is closing, closing that gap at all or no? Uh, I think he's closing it. He's had quite a solid last eight games or so i think he scored 10 goals in his last eight games which is pretty crazy if he keeps that pace up then he should win the heart but uh we'll see and he won't keep that up um but as we move on to the rocket you know i think he probably is the the early favorite for that which you said as well so you might be uh the early favorite to go two and oh for these let's go uh, i said besser who yeah besser you know he's he's only two goals behind he's at nine matthews is at 11 uh so it's a tight race there too but uh, anyone else that's surprising you for goals early on? No, I think those two are, are right at the top. Matthew scores basically a goal or two a game, so he'll be tough to beat. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Calder, we talked about him last week, but uh, Kirill Kaprizov, uh, new uh, Russian to the league, um, looking really good. He's leading all rookies with nine points uh, as of yesterday. But how about anyone else? Is there anyone else that's on your radar for rookie of the year? Yeah, I think last week I even threw out a little a little sleeper pick in Bowen Byram, but looks like the Avs got um, caught with a case of COVID over the last week, so he hasn't even played. But who knows when he comes back? I think he's going to carve out a bit more of a role for himself, and and you know it's unfortunate with COVID postponing a lot of their games, but uh, hopefully they get back on the ice soon and and Byram can start producing a bit more, so I don't look like an idiot with that pick. Yeah. Uh, another guy just to point out, too, is Tim Stutzel from uh, Ottawa Senators. Uh, had a tough start to the season, um, but the third overall pick has turned around lately and starting to score some goals, so it should be interesting to watch uh, how he catches Kaprizov over the year. Uh, moving on to the Norris, um, you said Hughes from Vancouver. Uh, I said Klingberg from Dallas. So right now, Hughes uh, has the most points for defenseman. He's got 17 points in 16 games. Uh, Jeff Petrie, a guy from Montreal, has uh, f- 14 points in 12 games, I think. Uh, looking like he's a goal scorer this year. What do you take on him? I'll be honest. I didn't even know who he was before this year. All I see is he's just filling up the stat sheet every night. So who knows if he came out hot or if this is kind of his breakout season and he's going to, I guess, establish himself along the, among the elite in the league. My pick with Hughes is looking okay. The only problem with him is he's on for every goal, um, for and against. I think he, he gets a, a couple points a game, but he's always a minus one, minus two. Maybe that's a testament to the Canucks this year, but the guy doesn't play much defense. He's, he's the definition of an offensive defenseman, so I don't know how that factors into winning the Norris, but I'm a little I'm a little concerned with that pick, uh, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, I think he's got 17 points, and he's minus 12, so not a great look as a defenseman. <laughs> it's not a good look, yeah. Uh, just to point out, you know, Klingberg... I still think he's a sleeper. He has 10 points in nine games, so they've played less games. So he's still kind of just above that point per game mark. So it'll be interesting to see as they start playing some more. Uh, and then that takes us to Vesna. We kind of have three early um, goalies pushing out front for the Vesna this year. So obviously there's Vasilevsky from Tampa Bay uh, looking really strong with eight wins already and a 9-3-6 save percentage. Um, but right on his heels is actually Philip Grubauer from Colorado with a Eight wins as well, and a nine-three-four save percentage. So very similar there. Do you see any difference there? Do you think Vass will walk away with it again, or do you think Grubauer might stay with him all year? 
Yeah, it's hard to argue against Fast. I think Tampa Bay's scared to start the backup, so he basically plays every game. I know that Grubauer is the starter for Colorado, but their backup, who's actually gets a lot of minutes, Pavel Francus, has been out for a couple weeks now. So when he returns, he'll definitely get his share of the back-to-back game. So it's hard to argue against Vasilevsky right now. Yeah, I agree. I think Vasilevsky's the best goalie in the NHL, so um, he's, he's certainly playing like it right now. Okay, um, we thought we would do just a little talk on something that you know we mentioned earlier, but both of us have kind of grown up doing, that, and that's fantasy hockey. Um, I've had some some listeners reaching out asking if we can just talk about that, you know, some risers, some fallers. So I thought maybe every week we could just throw in a little minute or so of who you think's on the rise and who who you think's uh, on the decline for fantasy value. So do you have any riser picks this week, Matt? Well, I just want to start by saying um, I'm in a pretty competitive fantasy league this year. I don't want to toot my own horn, but I'm currently sitting at first place out of 16 teams. And I'll give you two names that have stuck out on my roster. The first one being good old Nicky Backstrom. That guy was slipping down our draft board quick, and I think it's just due to his age and people underestimating how good he is. But as long as he's getting rolled out there in the first line and the first power play line, and all he does is really pass to Ovi, he's going to keep getting assists. And so that's someone you should be looking for in all your leagues. And a bit of a sleeper. I know he's not picked up on many rosters, but Nick Schmaltz of Arizona, that guy's in the first line. He's getting a ton of power play minutes, and he's producing right now at almost a point a game on the season. So that's another guy I picked up. He's been incredible for me. I don't know how long that'll last, considering I don't really know who he is, but uh, we'll see where it takes me from here. Uh, what about you, Jay? Anyone that, that sticks out as maybe a, a sleeper for you? Yeah, well, I guess my fantasy background, I have uh, three fantasies on going on this year, so I, it's overwhelming. I don't even know who it's I have. It's degeneracy level. Yeah. I don't know uh, who I have in what pool, but I, I see someone scoring. I'm like, I know I have them somewhere, so at least that's good. And then one player, he's not really a sleeper, but uh, I think his value is going to increase over the coming uh, month or so, is Elias Pettersson. Um, you know, he's an elite-level player, had a very tough start to the season. Um, but it's it's only a matter of time before he turns it around and becomes uh, one of the best players in the NHL again. So how about anyone who's going the other way? Any fallers on your board? Yeah, it it hurts me to say he's getting old, and I love him as a, as a player on and off the ice, but Brent Burns, I think San Jose as a team just hasn't looked that solid this year, and he seems to be dwindling down as ice time's dwindling down. Um, he's not getting a ton of work on five-on-five, five, so... That's been about a, a bit of a frustrating one for me. Anyone that comes to mind for you, Jay? I, I think of the whole Carolina Hurricanes team. Uh, right now, you know, guys like Aho, Sveshnikov, uh, Teravainen, uh, we thought they were going to have a monster year this year, and, and they just can't seem to find it. I mean, it's probably a good thing. Maybe their value is low right now. You go out and trade for one of them. But, um, yeah, I haven't been too impressed by them so far. Um, and then another guy that's fantasy value has taken a big hit this year is Petrangelo. Um, you know, I think playing on Vegas, you know, he still gets a lot of minutes, but his power play time uh, is down because of Shea Theodore. So uh, tough to see because he's such a good defenseman, but uh, he still obviously provides a lot of value to them uh, on the defensive end. So Yeah, just not so much a fantasy guy this year. That makes sense. One thing that's been in the news lately, Jay, I want your opinion on moving on from fantasy is Patrick Laine. I know we touched on him last week and there's been a few headlines about him actually getting benched by torts. I think it was his second or third game for the Blue Jackets. 
What are your thoughts on that? And do you think this is going to be an ongoing concern between these two or kind of a one-off situation? Yeah, I, I think Torts, um, you know, he, he demands a lot from the players and it seems like all the players know that. Um, so I don't know if it was line A just wasn't working hard. I saw maybe something where he might have been, you know, talking back to a, a coach. I don't really know what happened. I do think it is very early for him to get benched. I thought Torts would maybe have a little bit more of a leash, um, but it'll be interesting. You know, Torts is such a strong-willed person. Um, I think he's a great coach, but he, he rubs a lot of people the wrong way. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how Line A does there. And uh, how about you, though? Do you think uh, Line is going to last in Columbus? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. I think there are teams at a really big uh, a point right here now. Like the benching obviously wasn't a great start for him, but they're sliding down the standings. They're in a tough division this year, obviously playing against Tampa and Florida and Dallas and all those teams. But um, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens this year. You know, bringing in Line A, moving out to Bois was obviously a big organizational move, but who knows who will win. I think the players do respect Torts, but if there's, I guess, ongoing confrontation between the players and Torts and maybe the Blue Jackets slip out of the playoffs, there could be some, some off-season repercussions there for sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting to follow as uh, you know the season progresses. Another story that came to light this week was that of Philippe Malay. He played four years in, in Major Junior in Quebec um, in the queue and then four years for the University of New Brunswick um, in the Canadian U Sports Division um, and then four years in the minors and he just recently played his NHL debut with the Washington Capitals. So, um, yeah, what are your thoughts on on this story, Matt? Um, quite the journey, four years in kind of each place, and then finally made it to the NHL at 28. Yeah, it's an incredible journey to say the least. I don't know how many, if any, have gone the old uh, QMJHL to the OUA or you know Canadian University route to the NHL. So, hats off to him for you know never giving up and making making that leap and. Um, I hope he can stay up with the Washington Capitals. That would be incredible to see. And maybe this is like a little motivation for me and you to keep uh, keep working. You never know, right? Yeah, you never know when the, those uh, Sunday night leagues, you know, the scouts might be out watching. Yeah, I got to get in much better shape than I am now. But, hey, if this guy is a 28-year-old r- rookie, we got four more years to get there. So oh, yeah, you never lots know. Lots of time. Yeah, lots of time. Yeah, and um, but all in all, what an incredible journey for him and um, – I think it's time to bring on our our second guest of the podcast and you know speaking about journey to the NHL this guy took a much different journey he was basically the best player of his age group growing up Um, he moved from his small town of Peterborough to Toronto at a young age to play with the likes of McDavid and Dylan Strom and the Subban brothers um, because he was so good so we're really excited to to talk more to him and learn about his story to the NHL and he also won the Stanley Cup last year, so he's got some awesome stories to tell, and, and we really look forward to talking to him. All right, so without any further ado, uh, let's bring on our second guest to the podcast, uh, forward from the Tampa Bay Lightning, number 67, Mitchell Stevens. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Mitch, thanks for coming on. What's uh, the city been like? Obviously, a big Sunday for the Buccaneers. Are you a football fan at all? And uh, where were you watching the game? Yeah, this this city was crazy. Um, I I was I was here in Tampa because the guys were on the road. I, I could hear the fireworks all night. There's just millions of people everywhere, and um, 
really didn't feel like there was COVID, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like it. It looked like there was people lining the streets after you won. And uh, But, hey, that's great for the city. And uh, two championships in a year, you can't ask for much more. Yeah, that and uh, the, the Rays went to the finals, too. So Tampa's really got something good in the water this year. Yeah, I guess it's the Tom, the Tom Brady. Well, as a Patriots fan, I was sad to see him go, but glad he won another one. Um, yeah, so... I guess you're not playing right now either, right? Yeah, you recently had surgery on your ankle. So just talk a little bit about that, how much that sucked to start the season. Yeah, it sucks. Um, but at the end of the day, like you trust the guys here, the medical guys, and, you know, everyone goes through injuries. And But it's, you know, for me, it's a matter of, you know, I just getting settled. Um, you know, I made the team out of camp, first time I've ever done that. And, you know, I signed a contract. So... Uh, it was definitely a bummer for me, for sure. Just you know, being in you know in the lineup and helping the team win, you know, having a great season that we did last year. It's you know really you know set you back. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. It sucks, but you just got to move past it and um, on the road to recovery, I guess. Yeah. And what's your rehab like? Are you just doing that on your own, or are you going into the facilities most days and doing your workouts with uh, the trainers? Yeah, most days going to the facilities. When the guys are on the road, I haven't gone since I'm walking around with a 50-pound cast on. But, um, yeah, I go in, do some treatment and things like that. I can't really work out too much because I don't want to get the cast all gross and sweaty and stink up everywhere. But um, you know, once the cast gets off Thursday, it'll I'll be back in the gym and, you know, intensify the rehab up a little bit more. So, um hoping to be back i don't know a couple weeks maybe yeah. five weeks how's uh the shower and with the cast on oh it's it's awful, <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> duct, duct tape two garbage bags to it it's it's terrible you got used to the crutches yet or is that no, a walk i got the, uh i have a scooter one up on the scooter and ripping around getting used to it which is kind of sad at this point but i love that Awesome. Well, we wanted to dive in a bit to your career. I know a bit about your path and you moved away from home at a young age, right? Uh, what was the decision behind that? And, you know, growing up in Peterborough, where did you go to and, and why did you make that decision? Yeah, I grew up in Peterborough, um, played minor hockey there until Major Adam. And then I made the switch to, to go to Toronto, play for the Toronto Marlboros. Um, ultimately, it was just a hockey decision at the end of the day. It was better opportunity for me better opportunity to play with better guys um you know obviously i missed out on a lot of friendships that i had and you know growing up in peter with all those guys but um i definitely don't regret it in the slightest it was something that i needed to do in order to to further my career and uh, the school i went to in toronto peak um I'm sure you've heard of a couple guys, Josh Hosang, Connor McDavid, you know, all those guys, like we pretty much skated and worked out together every day. Um, you know, the Subban brothers were there, um, you know, countless other guys. So, you know, when you're around those guys at such a young age, and I believe, I think it was our grade nine year, Connor got drafted to the OHL and, you know, you, you sort of, you know, learn what they do and, you know, at such a high level is, and you're just being kids, right? And you're on the ice every day skating together, you get better, you get so much better. So definitely 
a beneficial move for me for sure. Yeah. What What was that like playing with a young McDavid? I mean, I remember back then uh, he still had a ton of hype around him. So what was that like? Was were people following him even then? Oh yeah, it's it's it was crazy. Like he was just he was ahead of his years. Like he was so good at such a young age too, right? And I think the the one thing about Connor is that he never stopped working at getting better and you know you see what he's doing now right yeah for sure and then when did you kind of realize that the OHL is an opportunity for you uh, moving to Toronto obviously you're playing around and with some of the best kids what was like your minor midget year like did you know you're going to be a high draft pick you went eighth overall to Saginaw um, what was that year like well I think it was, it was more we had such a good team I think you know we won a lot of games so you get a lot of you know scouts coming to see you or um, you know, stuff like that. So, uh, for me, I was just, I don't want to toot my own horn here, but, you know, we had like Dylan Strom and I were on the same team and we were, you know, one of the top two players in that division, that league. Right. So, um, you know, I think it was more of a, not really an option. It was sort of, you're going to go play in the OHL if, if that's how high of a pick you are. Right. So, um, I definitely, I didn't really, you know, consider college and, or anything like that. It was more um, the, the norm. You, you get drafted that high, you go play in the OHL. Right. Yeah. So eighth overall to Saginaw. Uh, what was that move like to move even further away from home um, to a different country? Right. So um, how was that? Yeah, it was different. Um, Michigan's a little different than Canada, you know, the, obviously the drinking age for sure, but um, no, I, did, I had really good billets there. Um, you know, really nice family. And, you know, they, the Saginaw, they, uh, they made me part of their family and, you know, I definitely um, thank them and, you know, helping me where I am. And I had a really good coach there, with Greg Gilbert. He's one of the only players ever to, to win a Stanley cup with the Islanders and the Rangers. So he's, he taught me a lot because I came in as more of an offensive player and as a young guy going in the OHL, you don't get this, the same opportunities as a, a third or fourth year guy in that offensive role. So, you know, for him to, to, to sort of teach me that defensive side and uh, be more responsible with the puck or, you know, my stick placements on the penalty kills uh, definitely furthered my career. Yeah, and you had a really couple of good years at Saginaw, and then you were traded to London, correct? I was looking that up. You were traded for four second-round picks and three third-round picks just for you. Was there a lot of pressure going to London? Is that a franchise that's kind of Memorial Cup or bust every year? And, and what did you think of the Hunter brothers there? That that organization is a mini NHL team. Yeah, It's, it's so well-run. It's you know, it, you're there to, to win and to play hard. And um, they treat you like a professional every day. And there's no babying around. You know, Dale, Dale's a coach that if you come in, work hard every day, you put your you know best self on the ice, he'll reward you by more minutes. And that's how pro is. That's how a hockey should be, I think. You know, there's no entitlement. There's no any like that. If you do the work, you you play, right? So, um, you know, Dale was a great coach. I love my time in London. 
it was it was crazy and junior playing in front of 10,000 fans you know you don't get that very often yeah definitely london's a, a different market for the ohl altogether but um yeah also in the in your ohl career you, you got two chances to play with the world juniors so we had ty on last episode and he was kind of telling us a bit about his experience but um you got to play once in finland and once in canada so maybe just talk about both of those uh situations obviously the teams are a bit different and the, the scenario was a bit different so yeah outcomes were a little different <laughs> and in uh in finland yeah it was my uh second or third time going overseas but you know for me my one of my biggest skill set was skate has always been skating and you know i always thrived off that olympic ice and as much as people say it, it makes a huge difference you know having that puck a little little second longer here and there so um no we had a really good team we had a very young team um you know we had marner strome braden point you know there's i think there was only three or four returning guys um but we ended up losing to finland in the quarterfinals and that was like six seven six game it was i think lion a had three goals or something like that it was it was a wild game but from what i remember is the whole, it, I think we we're playing at the Yokerit Arena in Helsinki, and bottom row was all Finland fans, and the entire top row, like the nosebleeds, was just red, just pure <laughs> red. There's straight Canada flags everywhere, and you know that's part of the reason why you play. You, you play for your country. You, you play for your country, right? And the support that we get, even overseas, was crazy. Yeah, for sure. Was there any, uh, Ty mentioned uh, Bowen Byram as a character from his uh, his team in the World Juniors. Was there anyone that was a character in the room on or off the ice that you can remember from your two years in the juniors? Uh, I'd probably say, you know, Shabbat was always a character. He was always clowning around when we, had a, when we were playing in Montreal and Toronto. Uh, yeah, I can just, he was just always joking around, making fun of guys and, you know, he was going out there and being the best defenseman in the, the tournament. What about the tournament in Canada? Uh, you talked about the support you guys had over in Finland, but talk a little bit about what it's like to be on Team Canada when it's on Canadian soil. It's just a whole different animal. Um, you know, it just brings me, gives me chills just thinking about skating onto the ice for, the, for that gold medal game. And um, it was so loud in the Bell Center. It was, it was crazy, just the amount of people screaming and, you know, sitting back here in COVID right now and with no fans and thinking about that, it's just wild. But, um, no, I lost in a shootout, which sucks, but you know, definitely a experience that I'll never forget for sure. For sure. And that was your last year in junior, correct? And then you made the move to Syracuse. What was your first NHL camp like when you look back? Do you think, you know, you're right on the cusp of getting a spot or or did you kind of have the inclination that you're going to maybe spend a year in, in the minors before uh, getting an opportunity? Yeah, I think I had a little bit of an inclination that I was going to the minors, but um, you always try to go out and make the team in those those scenarios and those camps. But um, going down to Syracuse, I think we had nine rookies that year. So it was, you know, it was a little bit of a competitiveness to try and get those minutes. But, um, you know, for me, it was the matter of growing my game and becoming a pro and um, the coach down there and, you know, everyone, you know, helping, helping everyone 
you know, get to the next level is that's their main goal. And um, I really like the city of Syracuse. It's awesome. And, you know, it's, uh, it's a pretty cool place. A lot of nice restaurants and um, the hockey in the American League, it's tough. The bus trips and, you know, all those, all those hours and not playing for, for a full week, then three and three and on the weekend, it's, it's a grind, but, you know, there's, there's guys that come out of there and, you know, make millions of dollars in the NHL. So, yeah, you were uh, drafted 33rd overall, right? To Tampa Bay. So um, what was that draft experience? Like, were you talking to a lot of teams before um, or was it down to a few teams or how did that work? At the combine, I think I did like 20 something interviews. Um, but in those situations, you don't really know it's anything can happen in, you know, that, that draft day. Right. So, um, you know, for me, I didn't really have an idea of where or when I was going. It was um, pretty much show up and hope for the best. Yeah. How'd you rank in the combine? Were you at the top of the charts and everything? Or I have no idea. <laughs> no idea. Couldn't you couldn't do a chin up? Hopefully, I think my body fat's gone up since then. But <laughs> especially with the cast on now. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, then you spent, what, two years in Syracuse before getting called up at the end of last year to your first NHL game with Tampa. What was that experience like? Um, were you were you nervous leading up to the game? And um, walk us through that. I think the most nerve-wracking thing was the morning skate. And after that, I was fine. It was just another hockey game. But um, I remember getting the call. We just got a dog. So Leo was, Leo just got to Syracuse and we had to figure out how to get him across the border back home and then figure out how to get Emma to Tampa to watch the game. So it was, it was crazy, but um, I remember getting there and showing up the morning skate. I didn't move from my stall. I went and stretched a little bit, but I just sat in my stall, waited for all the meetings and everything. And then, went on the ice I think I messed up the first drill or something but and then after that it sort of set in I led the stretch after pregame skate and um you know when you get in those games it's it just becomes another hockey game it's when you're playing you know you play the same amount of minutes but um yeah it was it was pretty cool yeah was that Interesting to kind of come into a locker room that had guys like, you know, Hedman, Stamkos, Kucherov. Like, what was that like to be around those guys? Oh, I've known those guys for, you know, four or five years because of the the camps that I've been to. But I remember I was sitting in my stall and one of the guys came in. Who's number 67 on the board? And he looked over (laughs) and I'm just sitting there. Hey, man. (laughs) And then, you know, I knew knew a lot of the guys that I played in Syracuse with, too. So it's um no they sort of made me feel at home it was awesome is there any guys in particular that stood out that took you under their wing um when you're starting out well, i think just everyone's just so genuine up there they want they want the team to win if you can help the team to win you know you're you're there for a reason right and um definitely the old guys heady was awesome you know showing me the ropes or you know if i had a question i would ask guys and um you know, the, we had a lot of veteran guys, the Shaddy, Shaddenkirk, and then later on, Bogosian came in. Those guys have been around the league a long time, and, you know, Stammer's an un- unbelievable captain. So, um, you know, that, that team was, was stacked full of talent. 
How long did it take you to get your first goal? Uh, I think I scored it just after Christmas mm-hmm. against Montreal. Uh, I can't remember the amount of games. Was it a nice goal? Two on one, hit Price in the chest, and then tried to put the rebound around it, but ended up hitting the guy in the helmet going in. The, goal, the defenseman in the helmet and going in. That's pretty good, though, to score your first one on Price. Yeah, they don't, they don't ask how, right? Just how many. So you were also um, a member of the bubble, and you've had a you had a pretty carved out role there, playing on the fourth line alongside Paquette Maroon. What was the experience like going into the bubble? Was it a weird transition? And obviously, you guys were there for a while. So how how did you life acclimate? Yeah, we just we didn't know what to expect. How how strict or how serious the rules would be if you know we've had a little freedom here and there. But um, no, the bubble was awesome. And the NHL put it on fantastic. In, in Toronto at the Hotel X, we had all of BMO Field. We had all of that facility. And, you know, we had so much freedom because it was, it was nice out, right? So um, games were weird because we've never played with front of no fans, right? And you get into a game, you're, you're winning and, or you're losing, right? There's not that massive momentum shift from the fans or that there's a fight or something like that. There's just not that. So I think we, we benefited on having such a skilled team and it's got such a deep team that we could manage those, those waves of momentum because you didn't have the, the fans to, you know, to sort of lift the other team. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, Ty mentioned, you know, some of the activities they did to, past the time in the bubble got pretty repetitive but what were kind of your go-to uh, activities uh, there was a golf simulator i remember getting on that thing a couple of times but <laughs> big um, ping pong player i wasn't we didn't really have we had a couple of guys that are good sergachev's lights out of ping pong um, but we, yeah when we were in toronto like we had we were outside all the time we would go to bmo field throw the football around but when we got to edmonton it was there was no grass. There was, it was just dark. Right. So we were pretty much in the hotel the entire time. And, um, you know, you get, you get close, you get really close with the guys, whether you're playing cards or, um, like you said, ping pong. Right. And you know, I think that benefited us so long because we were in the bubble so long is because, you know, it was just us and we were just together in this and, you know, trying to get all the way to the end so we can see our families at the end of the day. Right. For sure. You mentioned some intense pickleball games. Who was your partner for that? And oh, yeah, uh, did, did you win any or? No, my partner was Rehagi and we sucked. <laughs> we were so bad. Kalorn and Shattenkirk probably beat us eight games straight or something. I don't know what was wrong. We, we couldn't win. That was time. That was time to hang it up. Hey. Eh? Yeah. So you guys spent, you know, over two months in the bubble. Um, you ended up winning the Stanley Cup, which is obviously an unbelievable achievement. Uh, was it at all taken away by the lack of fans? Well, it definitely doesn't take away just the whole fans, but um, it definitely would have been bigger if we were on home at home or you know, on the road with family. And um, but it was it was unbelievable, just the the pure relief of you know accomplishing something. Sixty five days together in the bubble and. Um, you know, this, the cup felt 10 times heavier than what it does any other day, just from pure exhaustion. But, um, you know, it was, I never touched it as a kid growing up. I've always stuck to that myth of if you touch it, you're never going to win it. So 
to finally touch that and raise it over my shoulders, it's, it was unbelievable. And um, just to see, you know, the biggest part of our team, Stammer, coming back for that one game and, you know, how hard he's worked for this city and, um, you know, put in his time and getting her coming back and to see him do that and bring us all in together. It's, it was unbelievable. And, that's awesome. And I know you guys for the parade, you did a boat parade. So a lot of fans would line up and watch you guys drive by with boats with the cup. What was that like? And how did you get that cleared to bring the uh, Stanley Cup on the, all these boats and sea dues? That was, that was wicked. That was probably the best day. Out of all the partying and, you know, aside from first finally winning it, but um, just to see the amount of support that we had and I remember was, I was on the boat with Wedgwood and, you know, we were driving past, you know, the, the side of the, the river and people were just throwing, chucking beers at us. Like it was, it was crazy. It, it felt like, you know, we were on top of the world, if you could say that. Right. But, um, you know, just that, that whole day and all going into the Raymond James after and, you know, having fans and, Oh, I, I look back at the pictures all the time and just just think like that was crazy yeah for sure and then you guys had a quick off season right you kind of got right into it um what did you do differently this off season or was it pretty similar to past years in the summer yeah it was quick for sure um I think it was only two and a half months maybe three months max but um I tried to stick to the same things that I've always done training with Gary Roberts and um, you know, trying to just get on the ice as much as I could, but you know, with the COVID rules, it was tough to to find ice here and there. But um, you know, it, it was just a it was just a different off season altogether. I had to leave before Christmas, so it's it's been a, a weird year. But uh, got to do what you yeah. got to do sometimes, I guess. Yeah, you mentioned uh, working out with Gary Roberts, and uh, we know guys like Stamkos, McDavid, uh, working out there. What's that like with that group? Um, do you guys have a fun summer and, and yeah, what does it look like? Yeah, it's, it's fun, but it's also competitive. Uh, when you get on the ice with those guys, it's, it's work and it's, you know, every day trying to get better. And uh, when we play those three on three games or two on two games, it's, it's, it's full, full go. And it's, it's what makes you better. Right. And, uh, when you're practicing with those guys, you know, day in, day out and, you know, almost get that feel like it's just one full season because you're just skating with NHL guys all the time, skating with your peers, right? And um, it definitely doesn't, you know, hinder your development. Right. Um, and then did you get a day with the cup this summer or did they kind of push that off? No, I didn't get it. I was back I was back home in Oxbridge and they, the rule was that if you wanted your day, you'd have to do it in Tampa just because right. with all the travel, they didn't want to, you know, be liable for, for any COVID outbreaks or anything, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they let us do it next summer. Yeah. Or if not, you got to win another one this year. What's the, what's the attitude in the locker room? Like, is it pretty focused on winning the next one or are guys still uh, clinging to last year's championship? No, I think that's last year's in the past. I know guys, you know, are, are focused on this year. And um, although that that's always going to be with us, it's, it's a reminder of how hard it is. And it is really hard to win it. Um, you know, for us going forward, it's, you know, trying to, you know, take it 
take the hype that's always been on us every single year and you know prove people that we can win it again and, uh, and say that the the COVID you know bubble wasn't a fluke for sure and have you got your ring yet and if so where is it or what are you going to do with it once you got it no I haven't got it yet no one no one's seen it really you have no input on the design you just get one handed to you yeah no one none of the guys have seen it none of the guys have any input so I'm excited to get it it's do you know when you get it no no idea they're probably I, I think they're gonna do a ceremony sometime soon but uh yeah I'm not sure I hope it's cool though Oh, I'm sure it will be. Where uh, Where's it going to go? I don't know. It's a good question. Actually, I don't want to tell people so they break into my house yeah. and try to get it's it. It's going right on his <laughs> finger and it's never leaving. Yeah, right here. Um, yeah, one kind of interesting fact is uh, you actually have a cousin that also plays in the NHL. That's Owen Tippett with the Florida Panthers. So what was that like um, growing up? You guys were obviously both very talented hockey players. Yeah, we went to peak together in Toronto. So it was uh, pretty cool to have a cousin that plays four hours away too right but um no we talk all the time you know just you know how, how's it going what's how's your game looking things like that and um no he's uh he's a young player he's finding his way but um he's gonna be a really good player in this league for a long time and the amount of talent he has skill set it's it's off the charts um he's on a good team in florida so he's he's gonna do well for sure. I know you're pretty settled in and every game kind of seems very similar now, but looking back, was there any uh, moments where you're like, holy crap, look who I'm lined up against on the ice? Yeah, one game in particular was in Pittsburgh. We were going in overtime and I think we we lost Cooch and Sorelli and Stammer for that game. They got hurt mid-game or something. I was, in, I was out in overtime. I think there was it was a minute into the overtime, and I'm taking the face off against Crosby. Not on his line is Rust and Latang. So I lose the draw, play about 45, 50 seconds in my shift, can't get off. They make a line change, out comes uh, Malkin, Gensel, and someone, some other D man. And it was straight two and a half minutes of chasing Latang around the ice and Crosby, and I'm just Thank God I got off the ice in one piece, but. <laughs> oh, I bet the legs are tired after that. Um, I wanted to ask you a couple non-hockey questions. What do you do a lot in your downtime in the off season? Uh, I like to cook a lot. I'm a big uh, chef enthusiast or whatever you like to call it, but. What's your go-to meal? Uh, this summer I was making chili a lot. Chili's really good. Did you have some, really did you have some Super Bowl chili? On Sunday? No, I didn't. I forgot the beef broth at the oh. grocery store, so I couldn't make it. Um, but I, I like to barbecue, try different things. Um, I watch a lot of cooking shows, so it's, I don't know, it's a passion of mine, I guess. I know you're a huge movie guy as well. You've virtually watched everything on Netflix. Do you have a favorite movie that stands out to you and a favorite actor or no? Favorite movie of all time. Uh, it's got to be Mystery Alaska. Oh, yeah. Yeah, somehow I watched that when I was 10 years old and never thought it wasn't my favorite movie of all time. So uh, favorite actor, can't go wrong with Ryan Reynolds right now. Good Canadian boy. Yeah. What, uh, what part of the city are you living in? Don't disclose too much, but I know there's a particular island where a lot of the athletes are. Uh, are you on that island or do you have plans to maybe move there one day? No, I'm on the other island. You're on the other island. Yeah, I'm on the other island. Is that the lesser island? Like, is yeah, that, that's, that's more the apartment style island. Yeah, yeah the, other, the other islands, 
quite expensive houses right on the water. Yeah. People ask you what island you're from and you, you kind of just put your head down. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to end the episode. Um, Mitch, thanks a ton for coming on. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk with us and, and share your story. Um, I wish you the best of luck and hopefully we can have you back on the pod down the road. Awesome. Thanks guys. Yeah. Thanks a ton, Mitch. And best of luck, man, with your recovery and everything must be shitty. Uh, especially with Emma leaving, it'll probably be a lot of long days when the team's on the road, but, uh, um, yeah, I know. I, w- I wish Leo was here. Uh, that would make life so much easier. Yeah. He misses you guys. He's, he's such a character. I don't know. I don't know how Joe's going to part with him. It's going to be an ugly scene, to be honest. Joe sends me pictures of him every day. Oh, yeah. Me too. And I'm with him. <laughs> she sent you pictures? Oh, no, she'll send videos and stuff of him upstairs while I'm downstairs working. She's a character. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, we won't hold you any longer. I know you guys have a game tonight, so you'll probably tune into that. And, yeah, uh, 8.30 start tonight. Late one. Well, good luck uh, in the future with your recovery, and we look forward to seeing you back on the ice. I appreciate it, guys. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks Mitch. Jay, uh, what were your thoughts on on Mitch's story and his path to the NHL? Yeah, really need to hear um, some of the sacrifices he made at a young age to uh, pursue his dream. Um, and it's nice to see that you know he's made it now. He, he's playing in the NHL, and it was all worth it for him. Um, and really happy to see him doing well with Tampa. Yeah, the one interesting thing about his path is just how tough it is to make it. I think you can be one of the best kids growing up and still have to, you know, as Mitch did play two years in the American hockey league before getting a crack in the, at the NHL level. And just goes to show that you really never know. And sometimes you just need a couple lucky breaks to, to get there. And once you get there, you got to prove that you're worthy of keeping a roster spot, which you did. So kudos to him for that. Yeah. It just goes to show, um, you know, everybody's story is a bit different and that's something that we want to, kind of show within our podcast and all our different guests is that you know each story is unique but uh um deep down everyone's just you know they're just good people and they're just like us you know everyday people so uh, it was interesting to to talk with mitch yeah absolutely and um it's great hearing about the stanley cup too i know that's something i wanted to ask him a lot about because you never know how many opportunities you ever have to get back there in your career but is there anything else you'd like to say about, about the podcast as a whole, Jay, before we wrap up? No, I think just thanks again for listening. Um, we really appreciate it. Don't forget to you know rate, subscribe, follow, uh, give, us a, give us a review, give us some feedback, DM us, whatever, reach out. We really appreciate it all. Um, please keep tuning in. Uh, we're going to try and keep giving you some fun episodes and some fun guests, so uh, we look forward to that. But everyone, have a good week. Uh, and thanks again for tuning in to Standing in Open.